Welcome to the Holistically Healthy Podcast, where I, Sedona Treganing, nutritional therapy practitioner and NASM certified trainer, bust health myths and teach you how to become the healthiest, most confident version of you. Hey guys, welcome back to the Holistically Healthy Podcast. So I just wanted to say thank you guys for listening in 2023, and I'm excited for the next year. I feel like every year there's a little bit of growth and yeah, I'm just I'm excited to see where the podcast will be next year by the end of next year. Anyways, with that being said, I wanted to talk about a post that I actually made a little while ago and a lot of people it resonated with them. And so I figured I would kind of expand more in a podcast and just give you some more of my thoughts. And basically the topic is like what typical bodybuilders do that are causing them digestive issues. And when I say bodybuilders, this could be like gym goers. This could be you know, you just go to the gym three times a week. It doesn't have to be necessarily bodybuilders. But, you know, when you're in the space of lifting and let's say you follow a lot of people that are lifting, I just see a lot of misconceptions that are out there that are actually causing digestive issues. So I just like to cover those so that you don't do them in 2024 and we can nip those little things that you're doing that are causing digestive issues in the bud here. With that being said, the first thing that I wanted to talk about which is actually interesting, but it's a whole idea of you should be eating every two hours from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed. Now, I know when I was in prep for my first bodybuilding show and when I used to watch YouTube videos when I was younger and and watch other bodybuilders, it was really popular to be eating every two hours. And I get it because, you know, you get really hungry and you think about food all the time when you're dieting, when you're prepping or if you're just in a calorie deficit and you become really food focused and eating every two hours is nice because then you don't have to think about food for, you know, four or five hours. It's like, okay, every two hours I know that I can have another meal. So I get where this is coming from, although it's not going to be great for your digestion. One of the reasons why this isn't going to be great is because if you are eating every two hours, you're not really allowing adequate time for your body to kind of sweep bacteria through. So every 90 minutes, which is actually within the two-hour window, but about approximately every 90 minutes, something called the migrating motor complex sweeps through and cleans out bacteria and helps push bowel movements along the digestive tract. Now, I say 90 minutes, but then again, if you are, let's say, very close to that 90-minute window, I mean, you do run the risk of not really being able to have proper migrating motor complex function, which can lead to slower motility, which can cause like constipation or even mild constipation where you don't realize it's constipation, but you like maybe you have a daily bowel movement, but maybe your bowel movements are hard and maybe if the food is sitting there longer than it should be to where you're actually not eliminating bacteria and that bacteria then overgrows within your digestive system. And another thing with the whole eating two hours from the time you wake up from the time you go to bed is that you're not allowing time for your body to take a break from producing insulin. Every time you eat food, specifically like carbs and proteins, your blood sugar spikes and your body releases insulin to shuttle that blood sugar into the muscle cell, the liver cell or the fat cell. And fasting is really great. And that's why people do intermittent fasting, because For people that maybe have a lot of stress on their body or they have a family history of type 2 diabetes, well, they need time to kind of let that insulin, that blood sugar chill out and that blood sugar to come down. And if you are not allowing, you know, 12, 13, 14 hours to not eat, 
And that's where you also run the risk of having insulin insensitivity. So that's where your body kind of it's like kind of like the boy who cried wolf. Like we're always producing insulin. And your body's like, all right, this is ridiculous. We can't keep up with these demands. And you become less insulin sensitive and in relation to digestion. So that can lead to candida overgrowth, which would be like, you know, yeast infections or itchy scalp or a white film on your tongue. And that can also lead to slower motility again, because people with type 2 diabetes, they have slowed motility. Basically, their food sits in ferments in their gut longer than it should be. And then the last thing about this that I'll touch on is just eating really close to bedtime. When you're eating close to bedtime, I mean, think about it this way. So when I'm, si- I'm sitting up right now and like if I'm going to ingest food, gravity is going to help that process of taking the food from my mouth down through my digestive tract into the toilet, like because I'm sitting upright. Now, if you're eating something and then you go to lay down, gravity is not helping that digestive process, let alone, I mean, you're laying there not doing anything and your body, there's no movement to help support that digestive process. And then also we have a valve within our digestive tract that keeps stomach acid from coming up and getting regurgitated. But again, when we're laying down at night, that valve, well, it's not strong enough in a lot of cases to where a lot of times the acid can come up and that's where we wake up with like indigestion or heartburn. Again, it's really important to allow time in between meals to fast and also to make sure that you're fasting a little bit before bed. And actually, one more thing that I didn't even think about, which is very important for those of you who are lifters, is at night, growth hormone is something that gets released. And growth hormone is something that is supposed to build and repair tissue. This goes for muscle tissue. So let's say you had a really hard workout and your body is inflamed and you broke down a little bit of muscle. Well, you need growth hormone to repair that muscle. And when we're eating right before bed, when our insulin is spiking right before bed, it's impairing that release of that growth hormone. And that also goes for our digestive health too because our gut lining needs to be repaired. I mean, we have things like glyphosate, which is an herbicide. We have things like, you know, fried foods. We have food sensitivities. We have all of these things in our environment that's going to cause permeability of our gut lining. So again, the growth hormone is needed to repair that gut lining. Okay, that was a lot. Basically, again, the takeaway would be try to have like instead of like six, seven meals a day, see if you can do like four, maybe five meals a day and see if you can cut off eating like two to three hours before bed. That will drastically help your digestion, especially if you're someone that wakes up bloated or, or has acid reflux or indigestion. Okay, the second thing is, is consuming artificial protein products multiple times a day. When I'm seeing artificial protein products, I mean, these are things like protein powders. These are things like, you know, really processed beef jerky or this is like Quest bars or One Bars. All of these things are very highly processed. And although they have a lot of protein, which is awesome... A lot of the times they come with a lot of harmful ingredients. For example, in a lot of protein powders, they have milk, which is a common intolerance. The thing is, is like if you don't have an intolerance to milk, you can have whey protein. You can have protein powders that have like, you know, milk products in it. But it's just a lot of people don't understand that their protein powder, like they could be, they could have an intolerance to it. They could not be breaking it down. I did just want to mention that for some people, the whole aspect that it has milk in it is not great. For some people, it's okay. But they also have like artificial coloring and flavoring. And a lot of the times they'll just say artificial flavoring. We don't even know what that flavoring is. 
But one of the the really harmful things that comes with the flavoring is like the artificial sweeteners. Now, I get that there are so many toxins out there, but to be super anal to where you're like, I'm never going to have artificial sweeteners again. They're poison. They're toxic. I think that's a little much. But where I see the problem with this, consuming the artificial sweeteners, is like if you are having one to two protein shakes a day, probably not the best. But if you have, you know, artificial sweeteners like sucralose, aspartame here and there, that's a different story. But yeah, I mean, when you're ingesting multiple protein shakes a day because someone told you to do that, you're going to have digestive issues because these artificial sweeteners play on insulin, which is what I was just talking about. So that can lead to insulin insensitivity over time. And they also disrupt the gut microbiome. So we see this a lot in people where it's influencing the ratio of good bacteria to bad bacteria in our digestive system. But we want to really look out for artificial sweeteners like sucralose and aspartame, also artificial flavoring, which they never really tell you what the heck the flavors are, but it's artificial. And to me, I don't want to put that in my body. And then the other thing is, is the gums. So a lot of these products have xanthan gum or like, I forget what the other gums are, but the gums can definitely lead to bloating and gas. And again, some people don't react poorly to gums, but some people really do. Again, it's just to be aware of the fact that these things may cause issues. For some people, it won't. For some people, it really will. If you're noticing, you know, I'm bloated, but I don't have an intolerance to dairy and I'm not having a lot of artificial sweeteners. Well, it definitely could be the gums. So look out for the gums in the proteins, especially the protein powder. And then the other thing is is Quest Bars. I wanted to bring that up because Quest Bars used to be really popular, but Quest Bars have a shit ton of fiber. And we want fiber in our diet, but a lot of the times I think they have like 13, 14 grams of fiber. And that can be a lot to digest, especially when, again, you're pairing that with a bunch of artificial products that are derived from petroleum and like things that are just not healthy for you that are in synthetic and man-made. Again, just be really careful with that. Okay, to recap again, artificial flavoring, sweeteners, all of that you want to avoid and products that you can have instead. So I really, really love Truvani. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I love Truvani. It's like my favorite vegan protein powder. And Truvani is very, very clean. It has nothing that's going to cause digestive issues unless for whatever reason you have an intolerance to pea protein, which could be a thing if you have already like pre-existing digestive issues like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or just any type of dysbiosis. But for most people, Truvani is the way to go. And they have like third-party testing, heavy metal testing, and it's just a really high quality protein with little to no toxins, which is pretty cool. And then when it comes to protein bars. I know that's really popular for people because it's a really easy way to get protein. And I know that it can be really hard to give up because when you have prep brain or you bodybuilding prep brain or diet brain, protein bars can taste really good to you. But I can promise you that you're not going to miss protein bars when you start eating real food because thinking about Quest bars right now actually would make me want to vomit. Whereas when I was dieting, I wanted a Quest bar all the time. Just know that if you crave Quest bars, it's because you're not eating enough delicious food and you're not eating enough calories. So that's one thing. And the other thing is, you know, the convenience of protein bars. One thing I would recommend is actually air-dried beef. So it's called Beef Biltong. And they have this, you know, stop and shop, shop right, Whole Foods. They probably have it at like HEB for the people that are down south, you know, or Publix. You can find this pretty much anywhere, but it's just air-dried beef and it's super high in protein but it doesn't have anything like artificial, any artificial bullshit in it. 
that's just a really good way to get protein. And I use this a lot when I'm traveling. Okay, the next couple of things are, are pretty quick because I know that I like to keep these episodes like short and digestible. Just a couple more things I wanted to touch on. So one of these things is going to be the eating a plain repetitive diet. I totally have clients that eat somewhat plain diet, but this is just intermittently. And it's because they have medical issues like digestive issues and you know, they're just intolerant to a lot of food. But if you do not have a medical issue, and let's say you're just like working with a coach and they're prescribing a meal plan, you need to not do that. <laughs> because eating the same thing all the time is almost as bad as eating quote unquote unhealthy foods. Because the thing is, is like if you're eating chicken, rice and broccoli, you are only getting the nutrients in that chicken, rice and broccoli. And you're missing out on things like enough potassium, probably enough iron, probably enough B vitamins all of which are so important for metabolic health, but also so important for your gut microbiome. Every single thing you eat adds diversity to your gut bacteria. And actually, I should have mentioned this before, but when I say gut microbiome, I just mean the environment within your gut of the bacteria. And if you're eating the same things all the time, you're not going to have a diverse gut bacteria. And when clients come to me not eating a diverse amount of food, I often see this in their GI map as, they're good bacteria, the bacteria that helps them digest their food and, and supports their immune system, they're super low. And so by adding just in more foods and more foods that have probiotics and prebiotics that feed the bacteria, that is going to really, really help your immune system and help your digestive capacity. So make sure you're not just eating chicken, rice, and broccoli. Like really try and add in more variety within your diet. Like maybe if you do really like chicken, rice, and broccoli, maybe just add in some salsa so you're getting in some onions and tomatoes in there, like some fresh salsa or some guacamole so that you're getting avocado, again, some onion or tomato, maybe some cilantro. Or instead of rice, maybe swap it, up, swap it with, you know, sweet potato with coconut oil. That's like my favorite thing ever, by the way, is a sweet potato with coconut oil. It's delicious if you haven't tried that. Also, you can roast potatoes. I really like roasting potatoes with olive oil, thyme, paprika, salt, and you can also throw in carrots and Brussels sprouts and roast it all together. So just really try and branch out and try new things. You know, you don't have to just eat a bodybuilder diet. It's not good for you. Okay, yes, avoiding the plain repetitive diet and adding in more nutrients for more diversity. The next thing is going to, actually, this is the last thing. The next thing is going to be no, second to last thing. I thought of a new thing that I want to mention. <laughs> second to last thing is going to be extreme dieting. Eating extremely low calorie for several months at a time, or even just in general, is going to put you into a sympathetic dominant state. So if you've listened to the podcast before, you know the parasympathetic nervous system is that rest and digest, and the sympathetic nervous system is that fight or flight. And when you are in that sympathetic dominant state, that means that you are pumping out stress hormones, okay? That means that you are creating more inflammation in your body because when we are always pumping out stress hormones, you're always stressed. Your body's going to think that it needs to always pump out all of its resources in order to allow you to like flee from whatever is causing the stress, which is really just physical stress. Your body doesn't differentiate between emotional and physical stress. And so when it gets rid of all those resources, I mean, what's left for your gut? That's when your gut lining starts degrading where you get like the leaky gut or intestinal permeability everyone talks about. And that's where you get immune system dysregulation, you know, maybe even an autoimmune condition. Really making sure that you're not in extreme dieting periods for a long period of time is important. And 
And for those of you that are like, what's extreme dieting? I mean, track your food. And if you are eating sub 1200 calories, that is extreme dieting. No matter how big you are, how small you are, 1200 calories is not enough. And if, you know, you want a more accurate answer to that, you can even go online and, you know, do a TDEE calculator. So total daily energy expenditure. And although those things are not 100% accurate because everyone's metabolism is different, everyone's hormones are different, stress level is different, it can give you an idea of like, okay, how many calories do I need to eat every day to be maintaining my weight? And if you do that and then you simultaneously track how many calories you are eating throughout the day and you notice that there's a big discrepancy, like maybe you're really under eating, that right there is a big stressor on your body. Again, make sure that you're eating enough food and if you are going to diet, really try and prep your metabolism before you go into that dieting phase so that you don't have to go extremely low with your calorie intake. And I think I have an episode on that actually, podcast, but you know, if you need help with this, obviously reach out on my Instagram and I can help you with that. Okay. No extreme dieting. And then the last one that just kind of popped into my noggin that I think would be really helpful to talk about is bulking. Now, bulking, for those of you that don't know, is just like eating in a calorie surplus for a prolonged period of time in order to elicit more muscle gains. So the idea is like, you know, the more mass you're putting on your body, the stronger you'll get to where you can push more weight in the gym. And then you also have more resources from your food, more energy to recover from the gym better. And when I'm talking about bulking, this isn't just maintaining or eating in a very slight surplus. This is like actively really pushing calories to where you're like, oh my God, like I'm, I'm really full right now. So the issue with bulking is that, well, I will say this, if you are a very healthy person, you have great genetics and you're doing it in a smart way, you can get away with bulking. But for majority of you that are new to lifting or you don't have a coach or, you know, lifting isn't your life, which is me, <laughs> or just health and fitness is in your life, then you might be doing it wrong to where you're causing more digestive issues. When you are eating all of this food, you run the risk of becoming insulin insensitive, like I was talking about at the beginning of the podcast. And so when you're not insulin sensitive, like I was saying before, you run the risk of having slower motility, so slower, more sluggish digestion. And again, like, this, like I was saying, this is going to lead to bacterial overgrowths and digestive issues. And that's where bulking can be really harmful. Also, it's just you're eating a shit ton of food. And so if your digestion is not on point, if you have any stress or if you have issues with digesting fats, like with your gallbladder or if you have issues with your pancreas, you know, you're not producing pancreatic enzymes, you're not digesting your food properly and you're not breaking down that food. And that's also where it's just putting a lot of stress in your digestive system and you might not be digesting everything properly. And again, that's where bulking, I usually am not a big fan of bulking. I think a lean bulk can do the trick where you're just slowly, gradually increasing calories, but not to where you feel like a balloon. So, you know, you just really want to be mindful with that and making sure that you're checking your blood sugar, checking your insulin, and you are making sure that you have signs of good digestion rather than poor digestion where you had undigested food in the stool or loose stool or gas bloating, etc. Okay. Those are my little tips for you guys. Hopefully this was helpful. And I just want to make sure that you all understand that just being a bodybuilder doesn't mean that you are healthy, right? Like you have to actually make sure digestion is working properly and that your blood sugar levels are in check and that you're eating the right foods. You're not eating a bunch of protein junk and all of that. 
yeah, guys, that's it for this episode. I wish you all a really happy, safe, healthy new year. And as always, if you have any questions, just reach out. And I, yeah, I think that's it for now. So I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks again for listening to the Holistically Healthy Podcast. If you enjoyed, make sure to leave a review as I will be picking one of you to win a free consultation with me every quarter. If you want more information or immediate help, head to www.wholenothingback.net and apply for coaching.